Hello ladies and gentlemen, we are doing the summary of day 3 of the group stage. Uh, I wanted to notify everyone that um, a lot of you asked to put, um, well asked me to put these on Spotify or any type of podcast platform because people like to listen to these as they are falling asleep. And of course I'm removing any of the ads that are in the middle of the video because I understand that they are really really annoying. It is just weird with YouTube that if you pre-upload it and you write all the information in, you're not allowed to change the ads unless the video is completely processed. And I can't, uh, sometimes I can't uh, wait. Sometimes I have to post it and sometimes I have to wake, walk away and sometimes no, it's, it's really silly. Uh, after the, the video is done and processed, then I can remove ads and then, you know, uh, we can all breathe easy. Uh, the logo that is on your screen is um, the logo of the, the album cover of uh, the podcast, which I'm very happy about. Atan, uh, of course, uh, painted it, the voice of Yamaro. No more Yamaro canon experience, I think, uh, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be fine with this, uh, this one. I think uh, it's a very beautiful album cover. I'm just going to make it bigger. Look at that, man. I look like Doctor Strange. Only he can make me look that good. Anyhow, the voice of Yamaro is the name uh, I chose. Just simple, clear cut, and uh, that's it. It's going to be on Apple Podcasts, hopefully, if it's allowed. Uh, it's going to be on Google Podcasts and then on Pandora. If there's any platform that you guys are missing, then I can go check it out. Uh, it's on Podbean. I don't know if anyone uses Podbean, but that's uh, the hosting service that I'm using. They supply me with the RS RSS feed and so forth. Uh, nevertheless, let's uh, jump into the nitty-gritty of the day. Now, before we, uh, uh, you know, go deep into every single game of the day, we are starting to see the dust settle. Uh, the dust is settling in a way where the top teams are all warmed up and uh, every group is kind of almost decided. Um, of course, there is room for upsets with the nature of best of ones, but uh, it's harder and harder to imagine some of the potential upsets that we could imagine at the beginning of the tournament, besides, of course, Group C. Today, we had G2 versus Machi, and a lot of people ask me why I predicted Machi to win. Um, you know, the game of predictions, you have to take some risks, and I took a risk. I think G2, of course, is better than Machi. Like, I... I I was one of the few people that thought G2 would beat Suning. It doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of power ranking that that I would believe that Machi is better. I just thought in the sense of a best of one, I thought Machi maybe this is the one where G2 dropped the ball. Didn't happen. I get it. And, uh, you know, from a standpoint of competing on Twitter in this point system, you have to take take some risks, right? You have to take some risks, especially now in the best of ones. I think week two, all the predictions are going to be easy. Best of fives, all predictions are going to be easy. And then it's going to be like a couple of points difference. And that's where it's going to matter. Because I don't care if I'm second or last. It's win or lose to me. And that's first place or no no place. And um, that's why I chose to go with Machi for this one. I thought G2 might, you know, there's a chance they drop the ball. It's early in the morning. Who knows? At the same time, I made the predictions very late at night. And uh, for those who have listened to me in this channel, who have followed uh, the content and my analysis, know that I think the G2 is better than Machi Esports. So just a, a small explanation for those that uh, raise their eyebrows. Machi Esports was G2. We had the Shem ban, Orn ban. There was a good ban, I think, against Machi. They looked very good. I think PK looks like the strongest player on Machi. This was a sloppy game, but I never felt like this game would be hard based off of the draft that G2 had and Machi had. I think um, the Shem ban is pretty hilarious to do uh, for uh, G2. I think the Shem ban... I think the Orn ban was planned regardless if the Shem ban came in or not. TF, of course, caps, and then Lucian is uh, a bit of a European special that usually we see on red side, but they banned it on blue this time. It, there wasn't a lot of Lucian action in uh, the PCS, I imagine, but uh, that's just a guess. Uh, Graves' first pick, and this was the big question mark. You're taking Graves away from Yankos. Did you see how Yankos performed, brother? <laughs> and then Ash, Nidley, uh, two uh, very, very high tier picks uh, in terms of blind picks. 
You can go in many directions with these. And this was, of course, the big question. G2 uh, with Nidalee, how is it going to look like? Key thing here is, if you pick Graves, picking Camille becomes awkward. But Camille is such a premium pick here. Very premium. I thought G2 would go as far as to pick Camille Ash 1-2 because there isn't a lot of counterpick options against Camille here when Orn, Renekton... And, of course, uh, Shen, I don't know if you can count it as a counter. These are not really counters. They're just decent matchups into Camille, right? So there's a lot of bans for Camille already. And Wunder is one of the best Camilles in the world. So I thought maybe Camille Nidley is an option here. They go for Syndra Senna. Syndra, decent blind pick too. Uh, but this is going to put yourself in a position where bo bo your matchup is going to be quite tricky. Camille gets locked. And they banned Volibear Wukong. Wukong may be a, a bit of a strange ban, but Wukong is a bit uh, annoying to uh, play um, against when you're Ash and Nidalee. And maybe can survive against Camille. They leave up the Mordekaiser. I think this is where, you know, I've been talking about with Wunder about this matchup. And he knows this matchup inside out. So I think he's just very comfortable. The reason I question these bans a little bit is because they don't have synergy with Graves too much. Wukong Grave, same side. Wukong Grave Senna is not that uh, fantastic. Garlic is locked in, which is uh, something that Caps has played in the past, but it's a bit of a new look. Uh, follows the same pattern of uh, of TF, and I think the story of G2's bootcamp has been that they've been practicing a lot of Nidalee Graves. Uh, you can see it in the champion pool of everyone else that, um, of course, uh, they've been practicing this. Because the Galio is there, because the TF is there. TF is something the Caps has played, but these are champions that support the jungler super, super well. And uh, all things considered, Galio Camille is uh, very juicy as a combo. Galio can sacrifice his prior for the sake of Nidalee, and this is something that happened uh, very actively in the game. Uh, Pantheon is locked in as the support. Tom Kench, I like this matchup for Tom Kench, honestly. I liked uh, the technology of uh, Halo Blades. I think Ash Tom Kench against Pantheon Senna is is a decent lane matchup. I think it's definitely uh, one where you can cause some damage, and I think G2 Spot Lane uh, delivered uh, super super well in this one. We had some uh, Crownies Comets uh, from the Arrows of Perks, but all in all, uh, G2's draft looks uh, very very pretty. I like it a lot. I think. Uh, uh, a lot of agency in Wunder's hands, I think that's good. Uh, Pantheon, I think Tam into Pantheon is good. I would love to see a Gragas here. I would I would have loved to see Gragas support. I just want uh, Mickey to pull it out. But uh, maybe there's a different day for it. Definitely a different day for it. So this game started off really shaky because Gemini found some good invade opportunities and he put Nidalee on the back foot almost instantly. But it was hard for him to convert further because... His lanes were getting kind of annihilated. Uh, Camille uh, was in the top side. Uh, he started with the first blood uh, because PK always stands in top bush and they just went for him, ganked him and uh, snapped him in half. This was a game where G2 were very sloppy across the board, but um, I personally never felt like they would lose this game. I thought after the first blood on Camille and after how the draft looks like, I thought that there is no chance in hell that they're actually going to lose this game. I think Machi X Esports went outside of what I would imagine them to play. Usually, I see them working with compositions where time is their friend. And in a situation like this, it really isn't. It, uh, it just isn't. And if Camille is ahead in this comp, it becomes extremely difficult to play. Uh, Camille, like Wonder, managed to get himself caught many times this game. Nidalee bounced back uh, through the advantages of everyone else on the map. Was ahead on CS even after a rough start. I think Yanko's control of Nidalee itself was pretty good. I think his Nidalee mechanics in team fights uh, were very, very good. And I'm sure we're going to see more of it. I, I don't think people should sweep Yanko's under the rug because of his individual performances in the early game with Nidalee Graves, I think um, this is a champion that is here to stay. And I think G2, they're having this look as if they are, um, you know, getting it out of the system, so to speak. I think in this game, just to summarize the short, honestly, just G2 were in control, but it was very messy, I think. Wonder died way too many times. They had fights where, like, second time in a row now, they had uh, 
the the Nasher and they kind of ran it down and uh, Mashi X, uh, they, um, they just got a fight. They just want to fight when they're not supposed to and they kind of kept in the game because Mordecai's E's were landing and G2 were overextending quite a bit. And this is something that just can't happen against uh, some of the other teams in the whole uh, World Championship. Maybe they can get away with it now in groups and uh, looking in contrast to some of the other groups, I think this is one that has some of the lower uh, level of play. Like G2 being the front runner, if we think about the front runners in the other groups, like Gen G or Top Esports or uh, Damwon, these front runners look very, very scary. And uh, it is going to be very important for G2 uh, to nail that first seed in the group because coming out of this second seed, you're going to have to fight one of these three teams in a best of five. And uh, that is super, super tough. I think um, if we compare the play of Group A and Group C in general, I think it's of similar level. Uh, but Genji, as a frontrunner, looks uh, a little bit better. We continue on to the next game. We have to pay attention to G2 and how they progress. I think um, the Sooning G2 matchup is what is going to decide uh, everything. I'm going to make sure that uh, this is showing on stream. Team Liquid Sooning. So this was uh, a very one-sided affair. This was Annihilation. This was Sooning, you know, Sooning as a team are incredibly strong 15 to 20 minutes if they're allowed to do what they want to do. They're very good at playing with Pryo and things that are supposed to happen in a vacuum happen very often when it comes to Sooning. Uh, this game, Sooning um, in draft, removed Orn, removed the Shen. <clears throat> they told Roxa, pick your grades, we don't give a damn. Uh, I don't understand not uh, removing Nidley if you don't play it. So FM has played a lot of Nidley. I think um, every team that doesn't play Nidley needs to ban Nidley. Syndra first pick was really question mark ping. Uh, Tusafe was out because Sooning after the first day, they didn't want to play it. Nidley Galio gets locked in straight up. I don't understand Syndra first pick. Uh, it was really strange to me. I thought you go for the first pick jungle here and then you wait. Syndra gets locked. Nidley Galio's response, Galio... Synergize well with Nidalee because you can give up your lane for the sake of Nidalee and you can fight for Pryo and you can say Nidalee, take a couple of CS, I don't give a damn, I'm Galio. And then uh, Twitch Rakan gets locked in. So I don't know who Team Liquid was screaming against, but having the confidence to lock in Twitch Rakan like this is, it's bold. It's bold, very bold. Because even if this was a Draven or if it was a Caitlyn, Everything could have ended very similarly. And then, you know, Draven into Twitch Rakan, he can almost 1v2 that lane. There are no super bans that are going to make this easy for you. Uh, Draven can cancel Rakani and Draven, you know, Twitch, uh, that uh, speaks for itself. So right off the bat, you have a strong 2v2 mid and you haven't picked your jungler yet on Team Liquid's side. So Graves is going to get banned 100%. And then Broxas champion pool just doesn't exist. You know, it's kind of silly. Like, he goes for Lee here. He goes for Lee Sin against SoFM. And, um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Mordekaiser gets banned. Orn, Shen, Mordekaiser are out. Renekton is banned on blue. And... Uh, I'm sitting here thinking, what on earth are we supposed to blind pick top here? He went for Volibear, and that's also, of course, not a good look. I think the best blind pick here is like Cannon, and then you just tank the matchup Cannon into Jace. That's what I said in my review. But Volibear just uh, gives the enemy a free champion that synergizes well with Galio. The Jax into Volibear is super nice because... You can dodge uh, the Q of uh, Volibear and the W. So how the game played out was instantly, Sooning, level 1, boom. They uh, get the job done. Uh, they invade. They divide the map. Lee Sin didn't know what hit him. He was very slow on the pathing. So FM had no urge to 
you know, he, he had no urge to defend his own red, even though he possibly could, because he wanted to divide the map. He did three camps into bottom side, and what Leona Draven did was they stacked three wave into the tower, pushed it in, and then uh, Twitch and Rakan were always already at a 15 CS deficit and lost two platings at the four minute mark. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Everything else continued in the same fashion. Uh, they kept pushing uh, the bottom lead. They kept contesting every possible jungle camp for the sake of Nidalee in the bot side jungle. And uh, Team Liquid were schooled. This was a reality check. And um, this was uh, the biggest and baddest welcome Team Liquid could have uh, to the world's uh, group stage when it comes to facing uh, the LPL. And um, the worry about Team Liquid is how deep does their preparation go? There is uh, nothing there. I don't know what, what on earth uh, they are planning to do because now the Shen is out. Uh, I don't understand. It's very strange. I don't think... You know, there's, there, I saw a comment now in my Twitch chat about giving blame about draft. There's no reason to point fingers. I don't understand why people have the need to point fingers. We don't know who decided this. We don't know who decided what they practice. We don't know what coaching staff or what player input there is. So there's no point in speculating. Just move on. We all can see that it's bad. Why do we need to assign blame? It doesn't matter at all. It's just for the sake of drama, and this is not a drama channel. We are doing stone-cold analysis. Jackson to Volibear, we like a lot. Synergize with Galio to uh, Jax. Bin played the super, super good because he burned flash for flash, and uh, Lee Sin got nothing out of having the map split into topside. This is um, super, super interesting, you know? Uh, the game plan was really clear-cut for Sooning, and when they saw the Twitch Rakan, they did everything in the power to annihilate them. And I shared this anecdote with everyone on um, uh, the review of this game, that um, 2018, when we practiced against uh, the Chinese teams and played against the Chinese teams, the layers of how much they do when it comes to uh, defending bot and destroying bot is uh, is really, really good. So I'm just going to answer this one more thing in chat and then move on. Yamaro, if you let your players pick whatever they want and then draft, aren't you responsible since you had the final say? How can you say you heavily disagree? We don't know how systems within teams work. We blame teams because it's a team decision in the end. I think uh, blaming coach for draft is such a meme because we don't know what is going on in teams. I can tell you what I do in my teams. In my teams, I have the final say. And then depending on the player, I trust their input and value their input because some players are not good at choosing what they're supposed to play. Some players are good at choosing what they play. So it is something that is very dynamic and differs from player to player. So I don't want you to misconstrue uh, my words. So back to this. I'm trying to remember where I left off. Trying to remember where I left off. Anyway, Annihilation, Team Liquid, they need to find depth. There's no depth here at all. Uh, Twitch Rakan is something that you can't blind pick. They got away with it in play-ins. And um, yeah, it just, just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. And um, Roxa Champion Pool exposed. Team Liquid now with the top uh, bands as well. A bit exposed. Cinder blind pick. I don't know how much they can solve. I just feel like Machi X is a very similar team to Team Liquid, but I feel like they can play more champions. And that's such a key thing, playing more champions. It's, 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 there's a difference between, you know, coming into the tournament, you practice a set amount of champions, and then that decision has already been made. You can't just invent new champions on the spot because the amount of practice these teams have is very, very limited. So coming into the last day, Team Liquid versus G2, obviously I favor G2 because G2 love destroying teams that are so predictable. I don't think Team Liquid are going to invent something crazy new in the, the span of a day. So I think G2 is heavily favored in that matchup because when teams come into them and uh, they know what you're going to draft, done and dusted. We continue on to the next one, Daman versus PSG. So this was a very interesting game because... What PSG did was they sacrificed bot in a way where Nautilus gave himself up for the sake of Kindred. Kindred managed to get two crabs in the early game. They dove top, they put Naguri in a 0-2 position. And that's when Daman were like, okay, I guess we have to turn it up a notch. 
and all of a sudden the showmaker found catches, Graves found very uh, unique and creative ganks, Nuguri solo killed even though he was behind, and then after the teamfight execution was so damn beautiful because PSG were very jittery and panicky in the way they approached it. Kennen always waited for the Azir ult to land, to Kindred ult to be gone, and then he entered the fight. And the rest of Damwon as four, they were just kiting and poking, playing on Syndra E, and then Trash Hook, and then forcing these ults one after one, while in reality PSG needed to fight explosive, but they never fought explosive, they never found the entry uh, in terms of how they wanted to approach the fight, and that made it super difficult. Damwon just showed a different level of class, because if you look at the teamfight composition, you know, PSG have a lot of options here. Uh, a lot of good options, but Damwon just made it look damn easy. They were behind in this game, Kindred was ahead of Graves, Canyon recovered really beautifully, uh, he got a gank into the top side. The criticism for PSG could be itemization. Azir went into Zonia, I think that's a losing line. Kindred went Black Cleaver, I think that's a losing line looking at the composition on the left. Black Cleaver makes absolutely no sense, especially since Nautilus kind of sacrificed Ash and Ash was uh, not that great. Lulu was a very, very smart pick here. Uh, I liked it uh, because you have the option of going bots and also the response of Cannon is also kind of weird. I thought Damwon were looking to play Jace here. I thought they were going to play Jace, but they last banned Jace, which was very surprising. I thought I thought Damwon were very confident in playing Jace and playing against Jace. But here you're picking Cannon into Lulu. Lulu is actually decent into Cannon. My information is very outdated when it comes to this matchup, but uh, when I played this matchup and my top laners played this uh, in my most recent memory, uh, Lulu uh, does well into Cannon. But they wanted AP, they went for Graves. I get it. I mean, uh, Cannon Graves works well together. I think the big blunder that Hanabi did was he went for uh, freaking. Uh, what's it called? Hanabi went for freaking Puzo Swiftness. I didn't understand. Why, why, why is he not uh, picking Mercury? Like, Mercury is the obvious choice, and then you're going to win out on Cannon. You know, when I looked, if I remove name tags, if I remove Damon PSG, I'll be like, why are you picking Cannon here? You're picking Cannon into Azir, you're picking Cannon into Lulu, you're picking Cannon into Kindred, but Nuguri made it work, and that just makes this game so much more impressive. Very, very impressive. Blue side have no business picking Lulu, but I thought it was still... An interesting idea, and I thought Jace was the obvious choice here uh, for Damwon, and I thought that PSG would actually look to ban Jace. It's just that when you are already locked in Graves, Senna, Syndra, what you are asking of your top laner is so hard to achieve in draft. That is, it's very difficult to find the perfect pick, and I think in this case it was just uh, the Jace. But Noguri found openings. Those team fights, I recommend that you go take a look at them. How Noguri recovered after being behind against the Lulu was super impressive. How Canyon recovered after being behind. And how Showmaker just kept control over the game. Uh, Barrel and uh, Ghost, of course, played super, super solid. No complaints there. And uh, it just... Um, yeah, that is just on a whole nother level. It was just... Uh, uh, the moment Damon managed to recover and they got a lead... It was just, it was just over. There was no turning back from that. And Damon are so good at keeping tempo. They are so good at playing at the right side of the map. They don't leave any option for mistakes. They just don't make any like silly, imprecise moves besides maybe Barrel when he runs it down with Pantheon against Rogue. But they are by far the most precise team because if you look at top esports and JDG, they make a lot of silly mistakes. G2 makes a lot of silly mistakes. Jane as well makes a lot of silly mistakes. And that's something that you can't say about Damwon. You, you, you get serious SKT vibes. You know, SKT, when they come into a tournament and they come in to win it. And uh, that's the vibes I'm getting from Damwon. You know, such a well-rounded team and uh, whew, terrifying team. Of course, it's best of ones, but if we judge based off of the games we've seen so far, Damon looks like a tournament winner. 
And uh, this is just judging off of the best of ones. And uh, we have to take it with a grain of salt because best of ones are best of ones. Next in line is JGG versus Rogue. And the surprising aspect was Renekton first pick. They have to take Nidalee away. They went for the Volibear. So Volibear Finn, question mark ping. I thought we all agreed that he is going to play champions that uh, have good good R buttons. But um, Rogue decided to try something different. The answer was Lilia Zoe. Big discussion about if Kassadin should be picked here. I thought um, just the problem with picking Kassadin is that Kassadin Nidalee is like, what the fuck is Kassadin Nidalee? Zoe's going to push and then Volibear will be deleted of the game. Like you can't pick Kassadin here. Like Kassadin is good into Zoe Lilia, but it's not good with Volibear Nidalee. That's the problem. I think, um, you know, Orn was open. Orn was open. Just pick Orn. <laughs> that's that's my opinion. Just go Nidalee Ash, third pick Orn. And yes, Orn. Orn Nidalee, decent together. Orn, we love Orn. Finn, sticking true to his identity. We love it. Pick us Orn. Volibear requires finesse, requires, you know, good micro decisions over and over again. You know, but it's not terrible. On paper, it's not terrible. We continue. Kassadin I don't like, I mentioned it, just Kassadin with Volibear and Italy is just uh, terrible. Lilia Zoe, Ash gets locked, Ezreal, Jin, and I think, I thought here they're going to pick, they're going to pick Tristana or Set. If you already committed to Volibear, go Tristana Set as well, go Tristana Set, you have to. I think also banning AD carries is also a mistake here. Um, it's. I don't think it makes a difference. We. We freaking. You ban AD carries. Loken is such a good player that no matter what he's on here, uh, and there are choices to pick into Ash, I don't think that it's worth it to ban. Um, these champions. Your bands should be support bands that are good into your composition. And I, looking at it in hindsight, Bard and Caitlyn like is are just the perfect champions for for to to tie together compositions that uh, don't have that structural integrity when it comes to team fights. You know, you have a Bard on your team or a Rakan on your team, or, or always you will have options, right? It's like, oh, I can look to catch, right? I can look to catch the Bard ultimate. Similar to G2 the other day. First three was TF, Volibear, and uh, Graves. And then Bard, Ezreal tied the competition co composition together. And looking at the first three here, this is something that they're going to need. And Bard is just the ideal uh, pick. Someone uh, mentioned the Ezreal ban was fine, I think, if they wanted to play Blitz. But I don't get the Jin ban. Well, the Jin ban I understand and the Ezreal ban I understand, but I don't think they're banning Ezreal because they want to play Blitzcrank. The Blitzcrank came in because they see Caitlyn Bard and they want to make the game volatile. But, just Jin, Loken, Jin is one of the best Jins in the world. Uh, Ender, can you stop spamming, please? Uh, I'm, I'm almost done. One of the best Jins in the world is just the usefulness of AD carry bans is not here. Like, you're not gonna... Pick Blitzcrank if enemy picks Ezreal. You're just gonna pick a different support. This is not a like this is not a problem. Azir was just such a strange pick. Like you pick Azir into Zoe, that's not like some good matchup. Azir Nidalee not a good two v two, which makes you very reliant on Nidalee with Volibear and also your Nidalee and bot side. Caitlyn Bard was a very very strong. Uh, uh, last four or five rotation in this game i think jdg just out macro rogue they just took decisions um they just took decisions that accumulated more gold for them i'm just gonna hide chat because uh, there's no respect no respect they accumulated more gold 
there was a situation where JDG started the Rift Herald. Rogue came to contest. JDG got the Herald. Same time Caitlyn's hitting bot tower. Rogue commit all the way. And always when Rogue made decisions to commit to certain plays, JDG always delivered in terms of pushing and gaining more out of CS, out of turrets. Eventually the Rift Herald made its way all the way to Caitlyn's pocket. And even though Ash at one point was 4-0 and they had a couple of kills through Blitzcrank grabs and a couple of catches, killing the Renekton on side when he was out and about and being silly, um, JDG always kept ahead in gold because uh, they died in okay fashion. That might sound silly, and JDG definitely can clean up their play, but they were pressing forward so much in every lane that uh, uh, Rogue had to commit with so many people uh, to make something happen, and uh, uh, JDG just got more and more out of every situation. And then eventually Caitlyn was too far ahead, Zoe was super, super strong, and uh, it didn't matter what Rogue did actually like threw at them. Eventually, we saw some of the prettiest Lilia play I've seen all tournament, all my life, honestly. Where they found Hansama sleep after sleep. They, he threw out the bowling ball, Eep, and then boom, it exploded. Sleep lands, Hansama is falling asleep in the middle of the lane, and then Renekton is just slicing him up. This was uh, a JDG masterclass, but in comparison to Damwon, JDG didn't have it wasn't like super super clean it was just super super dominant uh, with some slip ups here and there but this is just the nature of top esports and jdg that we've seen uh, so far yeah i i wanted to see set tristana here and if you pick volibear just commit all the way and uh, make it into a brawl early otherwise avoid volibear pick orn and then uh, still go tristana i think tristana into zoe lilia is super super good uh, champions that can buy Hex Drinker here or like Mercury. I just want to see some Tristana action. Even Set would have been so nice. And uh, and there you go. You would have been solid. Flyquest was Unicorns of Love, uh, a tragedy of a game. I think um, Renekton first pick. I, I don't think most teams should be doing this, especially when Orn is open. I think when you look at the level of both of these teams, having Oriana Graves Orn in the first three is something they should be very, very happy about. Uh, Volibear Syndra is locked in, which I don't mind either. Strong 2v2. Uh, it's tricky because you don't want to... Like, Renekton pick is wrong because you want to make sure that you have an AD champ so you synergize with your mid laner. FlyQuest is the best when they play the three mid lane strategy. Ignar and... Uh, and of course, Syndra, well, Power of Evil, and then uh, Santorin. That is the best version of Flyquest that I've ever seen. So picking Volibear to go with Syndra, I respect it, I like it. It isn't the best matchup into Graves, but Flyquest are sticking to what they know, besides the, the, the Renekton pick. The Renekton pick and the Renekton player was the imposter for Flyquest this game. I think if it was, if, if Solo played more precise and he didn't run it down as much as he did, this game would have been very one-sided from the massive lead that the Power of Evil uh, gained in this Oriana Syndra matchup. Orn third pick. This is the holy trinity of play-ins. Uh, <laughs> Ezreal Jin got banned. Senna, after these AD carry bans, Twitch, Ezreal Jin. Uh, Senna becomes the strongest one, but an issue here with the composition is that if Oriana is behind or not ahead, uh, they're going to lack damage in some departments. Uh, Senna, uh, Graves, Orn, Tam is not something that does uh, consistent amounts of uh, DPS. Here I was thinking, like, what AD carry should they pick? What are the AD carries that are open? Misfortune came up and Misfortune Rakan. Rakan is a great blind, I think. Uh, now with Unflinching and Mercury and so much tenacity that is accessible, I think uh, Rakan can get away in most lane matchups. And Rakan is a champion that is always going to be useful. He has a knockup. He can play in multiple modes. He can buy any item, which is key. He can buy Mikhail's. He can go Redemption. He can go Ardent if he feels like it. He can go Zeke's Convergence. He can go Locket of Iron Solari. There's many nice options for him. So Rakan is a very flexible champion. And then the Tom Kench last. I thought they were going to go for a Braum here, which is Braum to deny Syndra and Misfortune, which I would like. But they went for Tam, which I really don't like because the enemy team, even though you can Tam eat maybe Syndra ult or Tam eat Volibear Q or Renekton W, um, Rakan is very happy to play against Rakan because the moment he gets more than one person 
in his combo, Tamid no longer is relevant. The same for Misfortune. These are AoE abilities. AoE champions are very happy to play against Tam. This game, Syndra played against Oriana. Oriana had heal and Power Evil destroyed them in lane. Annihilated them in, in lane. Complete destruction. He played super, super well. He outplayed No Man super hard. He had two corrupting potions up against zero and he had TP advantage. And then Unicorns of Love tried everything in the power to break it and uh, Graves had to waste a lot of time, went into mid and Volipar managed to go get two crabs. Uh, this was a fantastic game position for them and Graves was behind. Volibear was ahead, Graves was behind. Beautiful. Oriana no flash. She died once to Power of Evil. Great game condition. The only thing that can't happen is Renekton dying to Graves. And guess what happens? Renekton dies to Graves. And this extended the game. Ananasic just came up top and grabbed free food. And then this was the issue. FlyQuest had such a good bottom side. Misfortune and Rakan kept control. This is something I was impressed by. Syndra Volibear had full control over mid lane. Volibear was in good condition. But Graves kept staying in the game by just killing the Renekton. Then eventually Santorin went to the top side. He tried to defend and... Uh, uh, that time they defended, it was already too late, Orn and Graves 2v2 were winning, and at that point I thought the game was over. If, if Orn and Graves are winning the 2v2, I thought the game was just boom. And um, that wasn't the case, because um, Power of Evil, through good itemization, uh, he went for the Void Staff, because everyone on the enemy team had Mercuries, that was super good. He went for the Death Cap, it was beautiful uh, to see. Power of Evil was definitely a step above everyone else here including Ignar, who found a very, very key engage as Unicorns of Love were approaching Soul Drake. And that's also another thing that was confusing, is FlyQuest as a team had full control over both the entire game, full control over mid the entire game, but somehow still managed to give up all dragons due to what, what happened, uh, uh, like in the grand scheme of things and the mistakes that happened. But eventually there was a big fight. Uh, Unicorns of Love were taking Nasher. They had uh, upgraded Orn items. They had good condition to win the game. But what happened was they just um, they just threw. Uh, they didn't manage the bar Baron fight well. And uh, Syndra TP'd in. She just respawned. Santorin wasn't even there. They won the 5-4v5. Misfortune threw an ultimate. They didn't really hit anyone. But then Senna just walked into it. Lost half HP. And uh, or Oriana just tried to walk up and go towards the Misfortune that is very ultra-reliant in terms of DPS. Walked up to her, tried to ult Q her. He managed to do it, but in doing so, he walked up straight on top of Renekton's head. And it was just, um, in terms of quality, I think this was one of the lowest games we've seen so far in the entire group stage, if not the lowest game quality out of them all. I think this could have gone either way, but Ignar and uh, Power of Evil stood tall, and Wild Turtle had uh, a decent performance. He did, he did okay. Santorin was kind of missing in action and took decisions to try to fight with Renekton, uh, which I didn't like, so I rate him a bit lower, and then Solo Absolute uh, last. This was uh, really, really egregious. Like Solo did a lot in terms of putting his team behind, and I think if he didn't, this game would have uh, bestowed a lot more confidence in FlyQuest uh, than uh, than it did. Because this is, it was honestly a tragedy. Like, you can go and uh, check my review uh, out of that game and uh, you'll know more because it was atrocious. It's also funny that these are the three games that uh, LS actually cast. And we have Renekton winning, Renekton winning, and then last one, Renekton also winning. This game was wild. Tobis was with DRX. I thought naturally if blue side bans Lilia Graves that you have to ban Nidley. Third ban has to be Nidley. And the moment they didn't ban Nidley, I was like, okay, they're going to pay listen into it. But do we like that? I don't like it too much. The Arx's draft was, um, I don't know, some big ego check. Because this was just pick better lanes and then try to win from there. And this is a problem for DRX very often. They are picking for lanes and then whatever comes after, they don't think too much about. This was a draft situation that I've never seen before. So I had to like process it as we are moving on. I couldn't, it was hard for me to make like clear predictions on how it was going to go. Nidalee, Renekton, Senna, first three. Natural, Ashes band, Senna pick. Okay, uh, I thought maybe they're going to go for the Galia third. 
I didn't know what they had in mind when it comes to the Twisted Fate. I was hoping maybe Tristana would show up, but then the Quinn into Renekton. So Renekton actually does way more than Quinn in team fights, and um, Quinn can win lane against Renekton, but split pushing uh, is not really like the theme of any game nowadays because there's just too many objectives and Soul Drake becomes relevant too fast. Senag is locked in, Draven trash into uh, Senna Tam. So I wasn't too certain about the Draven lock-in, but like if you pick Draven like this, you, you better fucking win lane. Uh, because otherwise, why the fuck else are you picking Draven? Like if you look at the composition, how it works together, Twisted Fate, Lee Sin, Quinn, Draven, it's very wonky, right? There's no common thread, there's no point in this game besides like hard winning lane. Nocton gets locked in, which is good into Draven, good into Twisted Fate. The idea is at 6, you can block the card with your W, and you uh, burn a slash of one ult, and then you kill him on the next one. That's the whole idea. Uh, this game, DRX actually managed to accumulate some good-ass leads. Quinn managed to get killed together with Lee onto Renekton. Lee full cleared, kept up, and was uh, super far ahead. Not super far ahead, but a decent amount ahead of Nidalee, because Nidalee... Didn't really have good options. Mid gets pushed in, Nocturne against TF, and also top gets pushed in, Queen against Renekton. So Nidalee was just farming away, Castle was chilling. And Lee got a kill on Renek, and then eventually he also uh, got a kill on the Nocturne in the river. And DRX was about 2k, 3k gold ahead, they got a Rift Herald, and things were looking quite bright for them because they managed to uh, buy some armor items on uh, Twisted Fate and also Leeson. So it looked like bright. But then when it came to the team fights, it looked extremely one-sided. Renekton and Nocturne, uh, like Renekton, Nidalee, uh, had the ninja tab eyes, they were happy, and then uh, Nocturne itemized uh, Lethality, a Duskblade of Drektar. He found Quinn in one fight, completely one-shot him, and uh, Tobies will just continue to chase forward because DRX and their champions just don't do that well in fights. Uh, they couldn't really drag down any of these members, and even at a gold deficit, uh, Top Esports just uh, delivered in the team fights. This was a very, very wild game. There was a point in time where Top Esports had Nash, and then uh, Nocturne was caught, Knight got caught, and then Top Esports just continued fighting when it was not necessary. They could have just accepted the loss of Nocturne and moved on, uh, but this is the nature of Top Esports. But after that fight happened in River, uh, the glaring weakness of the composition was so obvious, which was, in team fights, it is going to be super, super difficult. We need to use Quinn, Twisted Fate, to try to snowball side. But the atomization of Renekton was super nice. He went for Randowins, built, built defensive. There was no way in hell this guy is going to die unless Quinn has six items. And that is the tricky part about split pushing nowadays. It's just that you can itemize against it, and if you still win team fights at that point, all is good. Renekton's TP, of course, he can match easily. The biggest issue, though, for DRX was how good Tobi's was bot lane was. Senna and Tam won bot lane super, super hard. And that gave Tobi's was a lot of breathing room. Because if you pick Draven Trash, you better fucking win. And uh, Tam can Senna have slows, they have a decent range. These are champions that can do well into Trash and Draven. And that's why the question mark is, why on earth are you picking Draven Thresh? Uh, the Quinn can be arguable, can be okay against Renekton, you have TF, okay. But Draven Thresh, if you're not winning lane, there's no purpose in it because you're going to struggle. And on top of that, Deft went for a Mana Mune, and this game was so high-paced that Mana Mune really wasn't it. And uh, Senna always goes Mana Mune because she's so mana-hungry as a champion. And um, she had the Yumus, and uh, she was just killing everybody. Uh, the lane phase, Yuyanja and uh, of course Deft, uh, no, not, not of course Deft, not, uh, of course Jackie Love were just dominating, dominating so so hard, like I suggest that you watch it. And then Senna at one point just had too many souls, outranged every single member of DRX and just ran them down with the Glacial Augment and the Rapid Fire and that was just uh, game over. GA landed on Nocturne, which is so good. The enemy team doesn't afford Last Whispers at that point in time. Quinn needs so many items before she's going to go for Last Whisper. Uh, maybe this game she should have went to third, but it's so awkward, like Blade PD into Last Whisper or 
Uh, more so the reminder, like it's just, you know, the early game looked good for DRX, but then the next chapter just wasn't written. And uh, then it just looked like uh, the last Game of Thrones season, because uh, yeah, that season wasn't written either by George R. R. Martin. So it was a complete massacre. Very strange game. I don't think we're going to see any game similar to this ever again. I think DRX were just... Uh, I remember uh, this deft interview where they wanted to... They wanted to beat Toppy, supposed to prove that they can individually beat them and not prepare any type of cheese. So they didn't want a preparationary victory. They wanted to pick Draven and stomp the enemy in lane. But LPL is the region that plays Draven the most out of anyone, and they are the most experienced with Draven, and I can't say the same for the LCK. Jackie Love is one of the OG Draven players, and to try to pull this stunt here is just um, unacceptable. Uh, the Nocturne was interesting, Knight had some moments where he looked bad, Chovy looked super good in lane, uh, and then eventually Nocturne had a couple of items, and uh, diving the backline with the Senna ultimate and the Nidalee heels and the Renekton, it looked good, you know. Team fights were just so so easy for top esports, but uh, definitely uh, a game that I would recommend to watch. Like if you had to watch one game out of today, uh, watch that one because uh, it really is going to make your head spin. Finally, uh, let's take a look at uh, uh, the rest of uh, the games that we have coming into day four. G two versus Team Liquid. We touched on this lightly. Uh, I think G2 is going to win because Team Liquid, I doubt that they're going to pull anything new out of their hat. Uh, when G2 knows what's heading, their, what's heading their way in terms of prep, they can adjust on the fly and mold themselves to beat uh, a Team Liquid. Like, they can be the ones first picking Orn, they can be the ones uh, banning Orn and play well. They can play the Camille, they can play the Shen, they can play the Morda, anything that Impact can do, Wunder can do and more. Uh, and I think the same thing can be said about mid. And now with G2's form in bot lane, I think Mickey is looking fantastic. Really, really good. Uh, the big question mark is, of course, Jankos, but uh, I think he's just going to do better and better. I think some of the mistakes that has happened is just something that is going to be out of his system. But of course, it's a question mark. But in my opinion, Broxa is an even bigger question mark because... Uh, he has only been useful on Graves, and even with Graves, he did nothing uh, the last time he played it. So Team Liquid look very shook. Sooning, I think, is going to continue. Uh, I think Sooning first 20 minutes is the best in this group, and I'm just excited for Sooning versus G2. So, of course, I'm going to go with Sooning versus Machi uh, XE Sports. DRX versus Fly, you know, maybe Power Evil can carry, but it's against Chovy, so he's not going to get that big of a lead uh, as he did against No Man. So this is DRX. Heavy favorite, I don't think there's anything to say here. Same thing about Topis was against Unicorns of Love. I hope Unicorns of Love play like Heimerdinger and a bunch of crap and just make it into the deadliest, bloodiest game ever. Fnatic versus Genji. I think Fnatic is in a similar boat like Team Liquid. What happens when Evelyn is banned and Lucian is banned? Uh, what is the next uh, level in terms of depth? I think for Group C, what teams need to recognize is that the games aren't that fast and... Uh, it feels like they've taken a lot of scrim ideas uh, and uh, in, in scrims games can look fast but this group is very slow and uh, I think a team like Fnatic can get away with uh, being greedier in, in the lane phase uh, in terms of what they pick and maybe we'll see compositions that are more structured around uh, bigger fights that are going to decide the game and then the better team fighter is just going to win that's uh, the general sense i get from from group c but looking at fanatic tsm and lgd their prep is predictable uh, tsm have the option of switching everything up because i don't think they can continue down the same line i think tsm can't be picking themselves into bad 2v2 matchups mid because this is what we are supposed to be excited about when it comes to tsm Picking Zillion into Set is just a joke. Like Set can just punch the turret in front of Zillion. Not that he should, but that just screws over your jungler completely. And I think Speaker is good. I think Speaker is good. I think just put uh, Bjergsen in position where him and Speaker can actually do things in the early game. So TSM actually get to play. Not that, not the same way as uh, TSM versus Genji. Because I think on an individual basis, TSM are not like lagging behind super hard against anyone here. I think preparation is going to be so, so important and the draft is going to be so, so important because TSM, LGD and Fnatic have glaring and gaping holes. And um, this is something that um, 
we have to see if it's going to be continue to be exposed. You know, LGD, they keep playing the Kindred. Like, is anyone going to ban the Kindred at some point or stop picking graves into LGD to make the Kindred even free? Or at least not pick cons that are bad into Kindred? You know, LGD is very predictable in the way they draft, but uh, that predictability has just landed perfectly in terms of what teams are throwing at them. And that was the case with Fnatic. Like, that draft that Fnatic did against LGD when they had the Orn and the Kindred and the... And the echo, it was it was just easy for them. Easy, easy, easy. Just one off of draft. And that's what I feel about Group C. Whoever figures out the way they want to play and figure out that this group is a slow group and team fighting is going to be super important, I think is going to be the one that rises above. TSM in a must-win situation. I think in a situation where they are 0-3, very, very tough to come back. Uh, especially if it follows the same patterns as uh, previous days. But all in all, uh, Group C is the one that is uh, the most open for interpretation. I think the other ones are pretty done and dusted because I don't think there's going to be any crazy upsets. Unic like Unicorns of Fly are not going to upset um, DRX and Top Esports. Rogue and PSG are not going to upset, uh, what are they called, Dam1 and JDG. That's just not going to happen. I doubt it. Group A, if G2 win TL, I think also that's done and dusted. G2 versus Suning is going to be uh, the teams that uh, decide everything. All in all, uh, thank you so much for watching. Tomorrow I'll be on the broadcast, so I will have a couple of uh, less uh, less reviews than today because today I'm not on broadcast, so I put up uh, most of the reviews on the channel. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, sorry for... Um, sometimes repeating myself and getting distracted with the chat. I just wanted to clarify some things, but I think this is the last time I'm doing these with chat open because it makes no sense. Uh, I'm talking so much and have so many thoughts in my mind that uh, adding uh, additional uh, stuff to that is just uh, not the right way. So thank you so much for watching once again. Bless you and bless your face. You can catch this on Spotify too and a bunch of other uh, places. You just search for the voice of Yamato. That is the name of the podcast. You can find it on, on, on Spotify for now and uh, other platform, platforms too. Bye.